When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Musical SCPs There are some that say that music is an essential part of the human experience. And whether or not you believe that to be true, it is true that music in some form has been a part of practically every human society dating back thousands of years. Just like other concepts I have discussed that are integral parts of humanity, music has its place in the SCP universe as well, with a wide variety of musical SCPs present. As there's over a hundred musical SCPs currently on the wiki, I'll only be looking at a handful for this video. Starting off pretty simply, SCP-012 is a piece of handwritten musical score entitled On Mount Golgotha, retrieved during an excavation of a tomb in northern Italy. The piece seems to be an incomplete part of a larger set of sheet music, written with a reddish-black ink, originally believed to be a natural dye, but later found to be human blood. Those that view the piece inevitably kill themselves, either through blood loss from trying to finish the composition with their own blood, or from suicide after declaring that the piece is impossible to finish. Attempts to perform the music from the sheet have resulted in a disagreeable cacophony, with each instrumental part having no correlation or harmony with the other instruments. Obviously, this is a pretty early SCP, and gets expanded on greatly in the On Mount Golgotha canon, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. Moving on to something a bit more involved, SCP-3636 is a jukebox with a decorative rainbow-colored light across the top and a golden plate bearing the inscription, World's Greatest Jukebox. The glass screen where one would normally find a booklet detailing the songs available is instead replaced with a touch screen displaying a search bar and the text search for song title, artist, or album. The jukebox also has no coin slot, and more notably, no apparent power source. Searching for a song will result in a list of every version of the song known to exist, including unreleased early versions and every live performance from the original artist. As far as the Foundation has learned, these live performances are accurate to the original performance, and the jukebox possesses a rather wide range of time periods, even capable of producing live performances of operas from the Baroque period hundreds of years ago. Whenever a song is selected, the screen will change to display a video with the text Live Music Video above it. The video displayed is based on the lyrical content of the song being played, often directly depicting the events being mentioned in the song, or simply displaying events based on plays on words. While this truly does sound like the world's greatest jukebox, the events displayed in the video proceed to actually carry out in a location in the real world, thus the live music video text. The effects last for as long as the song being played, although obviously this could result in lingering effects afterwards. 
The jukebox was first discovered by firefighters during a fire at a bar in New York that killed 21 people. The jukebox itself was found to be undamaged, with the screen showing a video of the bar fire while playing the song We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. The foundation scooped it up and proceeded to do some testing. Playing the song Walk by Pantera resulted in a video and event of a group of people in Arlington, Texas, the city where Pantera was founded, performing a protest. Most of their protest signs simply contained the word respect, and they proceed to chant along with the chorus of the song while local news stations report on the impromptu respect walk. The participants afterwards expressed confusion over their involvement and were given some amnestics. Playing Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell showed a tall elderly man with pale skin breaking into Site 17 and proceeding to search for and spy on the research assistant who selected the song. After the song finished, the elderly man could not be located, but the assistant identified him as an uncle that had abused him as a child, resulting in him experiencing severe paranoia for the following week. The foundation decided to have only D-Class test the jukebox from then on, which seems prudent. Playing the song Jukebox Hero by Foreigner resulted in the jukebox suddenly disappearing from containment, eventually being located on top of an apartment building in New York City, with a cape affixed to it reading Jukebox Hero. Next to it was a severely malnourished man tied up with a rope and a written confession to several murders next to him. Later, searches with the song displayed it in a separate list called Favorites. Playing The Night Santa Went Crazy by Weird Al Yankovic showed a video of a man appearing similar to modern depictions of Santa Claus assaulting a large building with a number of firearms. The building was filled with creatures resembling traditional depictions of Christmas elves. After a large shootout and several explosions, the man executes five reindeer who display human-level intelligence, and several FBI agents surround and arrest him. The FBI's Unusual Incidents Unit later sent the Foundation some documents detailing their raid on the North Pole, showing a destroyed building consistent with the one from the video, found six miles east of the magnetic North Pole. Selecting the song Wonderwall by Oasis resulted in the screen remaining blank for five seconds before a female voice is heard saying, Sorry, I don't like that song, followed by the screen returning to the search selection. Throughout their testing, or perhaps just by utilizing good judgment, a number of songs have been blacklisted for playing. These include It's the End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M., Call of Cthulhu by Metallica, Chocolate Rain by Tazon Day, It's Raining Men by The Weather Girls, and Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. At one point, the jukebox began playing Why Can't We Be Friends by War without any personnel inputting it, and in fact, no one was even nearby to witness the video being played. Security personnel eventually entered the room after noticing the song being played, finding a former Foundation employee handcuffed there, an individual that had stolen six anomalous items. These items were later found to have been returned to their proper locations. In the individual's pocket was a note reading, Please keep the music playing. I'd rather be friends than enemies. 
signed WGJB. The O5 Council decided to resume testing. For the next one, despite everything I'll say about it, keep in mind that it doesn't actually have anything to do with fifthism. SCP-092 is a set of 3,125 audio CDs, each labeled the absolute, 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 absolute best of the fifth dimension, followed by five exclamation points. They are also marked with the names of 31 performers, who have at various times been part of the singing group, The Fifth Dimension. Each of the CDs, when played, will produce a distinct anomalous effect upon everyone within hearing range. This effect will last for 74 minutes, the duration of a standard audio CD, during which time any listeners will be unable to leave hearing range of the audio or otherwise interrupt its function. Once the effect finishes, all surviving listeners will simultaneously say, Wow, that was real cool. This vocalization has been observed in non-English speakers, pre-verbal infants, unconscious individuals, paralyzed individuals, and individuals physically incapable of speech. The Foundation has so far tested out 871 of the CDs, and were given a short sample of some of their effects. CD-28 causes listeners to experience quintuple vision for all moving objects. CD-79 causes listeners to become physiologically five years old. CD-175 causes listeners' bodies to be pentasected into five disconnected segments, which each remain alive and mobile. CD-200 causes listeners to be teleported to a site on the surface of Himalaya, the fifth largest moon of Jupiter, the fifth planet from our sun. They return upon conclusion of the CD, but succumb to the effects of hypothermia, hypoxia, and radiation poisoning within three hours. That being said, the Foundation is considering using this to establish a base on Himalaya. CD-272 causes listeners to spontaneously lose five teeth each, which do not come back after the CD is finished. CD-397 causes listeners to experience random moments in the life of Alan Shepard, the fifth man to walk on the moon. And CD-466 causes listeners to physically transform into members of the original lineup of the fifth dimension, as they were in 1966. Accessing any of the CDs using a personal computer shows all of the files without triggering the anomalous effects. All of the files are audio material by or pertaining to the group The Fifth Dimension and its individual members. The set of CDs was acquired by the Foundation from a man that approached Site-19 carrying two suitcases, telling the guards that he wished to surrender himself and his anomalous creations. The man told the guards that he was a failure who thinks he's clever, but he's not. He's a stupid, boring hack who thinks that money and cheap puns can take the place of talent and inspiration. He's tasteless, dull, incompetent, with no sense of style, and nothing he's ever created is even close to being art. The suitcases were found to contain the CDs, which were contained, and the man was transferred for interrogation, at which point he explained all of the thematic connections of his CDs, when asked how he made them, the man says that he just wanted to be cool 
and he seems to argue with himself about the merit of his work. He then says that there's no deeper meaning to what he did. He's an uninspired wannabe with no imagination that has squandered so much raw material that better people could have done so much with. He's not cool, and never will be. He finishes by saying that these aren't his arms, and proceeds to tear his own head off, killing himself instantly. It seems that Are We Cool Yet really did not take kindly to this man and his work, forcing him to head over to the Foundation and hand the CDs in before killing himself. They say that you're your own worst critic, but I'm not sure that's the case here. Continuing on to something a bit sadder, SCP-1639 is a portable radio produced sometime between 1979 and 1982 that's able to receive a signal from a frequency normally reserved for aeronautical navigation aids. When 1639 is tuned to this frequency, it receives an audio signal, mostly consisting of jazz music, primarily pieces that are known to exist. There is a small percentage of jazz pieces played, however, that have only been heard through 1639, although these utilize fewer instruments and with lower sound quality. The rest of the audio content consists of an individual speaking, generally commenting on the jazz being played, or reading various poems and stories written by him, or discussing firearms, first aid, or his current state of health. The signal is constantly being transmitted, and the man's narration occurs at regular intervals regardless of the time of day or his reported condition. We're given two short transcripts of some of his commentary, which I'll read verbatim. That was Miles Davis and Blue and Green, ladies and gentlemen. A wonderful track. Just feel how smooth it is. It really brings memories back. I can just feel myself relaxing and calming down, reaching a kind of calmness deep inside me. Other genres of music are heard by the ears, but jazz is heard by the heart. I told you I'd give you an update on my condition. Well, it is getting worse, I'm afraid. Like a, like a drill in my chest, you know? Feels like it's drilling deep inside me. I don't know if I can take much more. Anything else I wanted to say? Oh yeah, I'm out of beans. I ran out of cans of beans this lunch, so now I'm down to the corn. Not quite getting my balanced diet, am I? <laughs> Potatoes are growing, so that's good. They should be ready soon. I'm wondering whether to kill one of the pigs. They're looking awfully thin. I tried one of those green tubers I mentioned yesterday, and it was bitter, but didn't taste too bad. I'll collect some more at some point, after some more jazz. Took me 12 rounds to get to them, though, so I'll be out of magazines very soon. But now, for some more jazz. 
Let those worries fade away. Oscar Brown Jr. singing Brother Where Are You. I've always loved this one. It's a powerful song, you know. I can see the clouders moving around outside. I was going to go out and fetch some of the water, but I don't think I'll be able to now. I'll go and get some later. I should bring the pigs inside. Got all the pigs. Okay. This next track is Angel by Wes Montgomery. So, we've got a solitary man living in some sort of post apocalyptic wasteland, clinging to life while enjoying one of the few comforts remaining to him some jazz music. Hopefully, he can keep on keeping on. Let's finish with SCP-4445, an adjusted Atwood Noriega Causal Harmonic Resonance Amplifier, built by the Project Fleetwood team in 1959. It uses powerful arcane and thaumatological elements to create a resonance approximation field designed to reinforce the causal and conceptual manifestations of melody and harmony that constitute music. In other words, it makes sure that the population of the world can understand and recognize what music is, differentiating it from other sounds. This is apparently a naturally occurring effect under normal circumstances, as one would expect that humans can recognize what music is, but the Foundation built this thing for some reason in order to replicate that effect. It's around 27 meters in height, composed of a vast array of implements and powered by a geothermal power supply underneath it. A series of long antenna run roughly one kilometer underneath it and around it in order to reduce the noise generated by the mechanical components. The Foundation constructed this in response to an event referred to as the Trinity Zero event, which took place on February 3rd, 1959 when a plane carrying musicians Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P. Richardson crashed in Iowa, killing all three of them. This event is often referred to as the day the music died, thanks to Don McLean and his song American Pie, and it seems that this event had a disastrous impact on the conceptual stability of music. This event was the culmination of a series of drops in the universal background Melodia Harmonia Resonance from the end of 1958 through the first weeks of 1959. Essentially, humanity began to lose the ability to differentiate between music and other sounds after this event, although it wasn't immediately apparent to the general population. The Foundation set about calling the date a day of mourning, in an effort to distract people from the effects of the collapse while they worked on a way to fix things. 
project Fleetwood was fast-tracked and finished later that year, headed by a Dr. Isaac Atwood. In the foreword for the project proposal, Atwood said that many people will not even realize the slow shift as they become unable to recognize what music is, although unemployment rates for those in the music industry will undoubtedly skyrocket. The change will affect people at different rates, but before long, no one will be capable of differentiating between noise and music. Atwood acknowledges that this isn't something that is life-threatening to humanity, but the Fleetwood team does believe that music is something intrinsic to human nature, and the two should not be separated. Humanity has evolved alongside music, and they find it intolerable to suggest an existence that doesn't include it, as the resulting mankind would be incomprehensibly different. The team believes that they can fix things, although it will include thaumatological elements recovered from raids on Fifthis. Obviously, the Foundation agreed that humanity shouldn't go without music, and things have been alright since then. With a machine that maintains humanity's comprehension of music at their control, they were able to actually measure certain fluctuations in the resonance field, which correlated to certain events connected to music. Whitney Houston's performance of the Star-Spangled Banner at Super Bowl XXV in 1991 resulted in the single greatest fluctuation recorded, greatly improving the stability of the field for 2 minutes and 15 seconds. An explosion in Kuwait that destroyed an entire catalog of rare regional vinyl records caused a sudden drop in the field, while the release of the album Floral Shop by Vectroid, which launched the vaporwave genre into mainstream consciousness, resulted in a large positive fluctuation. Shortly after the death of Dr. Cleo Bingham, an acquaintance of Atwood, they found a note in his personal effects written by Atwood, who had died seven years prior. The note seems to have been written around the time of the machine's initial activation. In the letter, Atwood says that they lied during their presentation to the Overseer Council, and he fears that they haven't discovered it. He fears it because in many ways he hoped that they would be found out, so that the responsibility of their folly would have fallen onto another. They lied when they said that the resonance field had failed, because in actuality, it has disappeared entirely. The tuners they developed to detect it have found nothing, and it's the same for the tuners they have attached to satellites deep in space. The abstract construct that constitutes music has completely collapsed. The machine they've built, however, will work to bring it back, and they'll be able to hear music again just as before. He does reveal, however, that they didn't find something during their fifthest raid, but instead they took something. Apparently, the Fifthis had the last singer on Earth, who was singing the last pure song and the last breath of the resonance, a sound Atwood describes as being summer and warm breezes and a blue sky all at once. The Foundation proceeded to cut the song out of the singer's still-beating heart and stitch it into their machine so that it could continue to sing that same song. Atwood says that the song was magnificent when they started up the machine, 
like a sea of cellos warming up in unison. But it won't keep playing forever, as it's just a machine, and it will eventually wear out. Certainly they've made it as secure as possible, but eventually it will stop playing, and there won't be any music afterwards. They believe that it was Buddy Holly's death that actually caused the collapse. Atwood says that he must have had something really special in the works, as his death killed the concept of music forever. They've got it on life support now, but one of these days the music is going to go out for good. Only the members of the Fleetwood team actually heard the song and know how the machine works, and eventually it's going to shut down. It won't be in his lifetime or in the lifetime of anyone alive today, but there will come a day when the music dies and the light goes out. He wonders what will happen then. So yeah, it's a very literal interpretation of the day the music died, but it does highlight how integral music is to humanity. Music, of course, means different things to different people, and while many won't describe it as essential to being human, there is no doubt that it has influenced culture for thousands of years.